What's happening? Well, last night we watched the movie that is a part of a bigger franchise that made me think I didn't like horror films. Yeah. So this should be a fun episode. I'm stoked on it. (laughs) Oh, we're going to try to be as objective as possible. I don't know if we should do that. We're going to get a lot of fucking haters if we do that. We're already about to piss off everyone. (laughs) So excited. Can't wait. You know, like... Pump, pump, pump. Just pumped up. Pumped up. Can't wait. This is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Ooh-hoo. Yeah, yeah. Ooh-hoo. Gonna talk about torture porn. Yeah, we sure fucking are. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember the time we watched Saw? You mean the 2004 film that became a franchise that made like seven other movies? There's eight total. Yeah, I'm and like sure. a bajillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Big, big production. I I really need to know. Well, actually, I don't. I don't want to meet the large fan base that this has. It's just a bunch of dudes. You heard it here, folks. We're talking about Saw, the 2004 oh, film. I know. I know. This is going to be a wild ride. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. Um, directed oh, by God. James Wan and written by Lee Wannell. Yeah. Lee Wannell also uh, acts in it as Adam, one of the uh, main characters. So. Yep. Um. Yeah, this should be interesting. I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes, bringing Co- horror right to you. A hundred percent correct. Yep. No dispute here. All right. So it's going to be, you know, our typical, typical layout. Uh, we're going to talk about who made this, yep. uh, who was in it, etc. Maybe a little bit of history behind it. Uh, then we're going to go into plot. And then we are going to do a deeper analysis of the film and, of course, inject our opinions in there because this is a movie opinion podcast. Yeah, that is what we do here. (laughs) That is what we do here. All right, so Topher, take it away. Who made this thing and who was in it? Yeah, so Saw, like you said, 2004, written by James Wan and Lee Wannell, directed by James Wan. This is the screenwriting debut for both of these men. Yeah. They are, you know, Australia they were Australian film students who then tried to make it in the industry and I would say succeeded. Yeah. As you also said, my love Nicole. Mhm. Lee Wannell stars as Adam Faulkner Stanheit. I don't think we ever get his last name in the film, but Adam, uh, one of the two men locked in a dingy disgusting bathroom. Yeah. Along with Cariolis. Yeah. Who I love. Yeah, Usually. it was it was interesting to see all of these, you know, famous actors pop up. I don't know why yeah. I assumed that this w- had kind of like, and I say this with nothing on it, like I, I thought that this had like B celebrities in it. Right. It didn't feel like it was supposed to be like, like big, big, deal big deal people. Yeah. And so when, you know, um, when Danny Glover pops up, I was like, oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Danny Glover in this, Ken Lung, who I really, really like. Yeah. Uh, we actually have two Lost alums in here, but this would have been the same year that Lost came out, I believe. Is that right? Which it started makes, around then. Which makes sense. I mean, usually um, usually for actors, it's like when it rains, it pours. So exactly. Yeah. Usually, you know, you're doing three projects or you're, you know, killing yourself auditioning. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And it's it's one of those things of like... I don't know. Yeah. Everybody who's in here is sort of either kind of a no one or about to be someone or had been someone. Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the vibe I got from this. Yeah. 
because um, you also had Michael Emerson, who has had a great career now. Yes. And I love him. Very, very good actor. Very good at being incredibly creepy. Played yeah. one of the main villains in Lost. Uh, did one of my favorite iterations of the Joker. Yeah. And I think that for I think for actors, this sort of this sort of role is something that most actors are kind of just like dying to play because a lot of it is like, you know, the screaming and begging for your life that you really like the melodrama of it all. (laughs) I think a lot of actors are like, oh, yes, I I can't. I don't think I've ever met an actor who's who hasn't said like, oh, my God, I really want to be in a horror film. Yeah, and it's for I, that reason, I feel the like melodrama it's the version of the belt, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think a lot of what it is, it's not even really showing off like acting chops because no. being big doesn't mean you're a good actor. It you know just means you can be big. But I think it is just that like you can go for the gold, like when yeah. you're scream, you are at the highest stakes possible because they're completely you know usually outlandish, crazy stakes that nobody can actually understand because. Totally. It's, you know, in this, you know, fictional world. So I don't know. I think that this was kind of gold for a lot of actors. And they were like, hell yeah, I want to be in like, you know, this. Uh, they probably read the script and were like, we're like, oh, my God, I get to yeah. just like scream and roll around on the ground. Like, <laughs> yes, I go for the gold, baby. It's funny. Uh, Shawnee Smith, who's one of the only other victims that we see have a significant role. Yes. Really, really did not want to do this. Is that, she hates um, horror. Is that, uh, that's the bear trap, right? Yes. Which is arguably, actually inarguably, the most iconic torture device in this. Like, this is what this movie, this is what this movie was remembered for. Each Saw movie kind of has a signature. Yeah, there was a needles in one for like the heroin. And then there's like a table saw in one of them. Yeah. That kind of, I think it's in one of the later ones that kind of, it's, it's a culmination how they like finally have like a table saw because it's. It's kind of an obvious put in, but sure. I think they were like, let's just give it to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that's interesting that she didn't didn't want to do this. Yeah. It wasn't until she saw the short they made to fund this that yes. she was like for it. Because she saw Lee Waddle doing the part that she ended up playing. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is, it's, it's based off of a short that was also written and acted in by Lee Waddle and it's called like Saw 0.5 or something. Yeah. They ended up retitling it that I think, but yeah. it was just, it was just a, it's, it's, we've talked about it's this on YouTube. podcast before. Yeah. It's on YouTube if um, anyone wants to watch it. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny that like, yeah. And like James Wan had this puppet that he made, <laughs> uh, but we can get oh, into all yeah. of that in a minute. Because uh, I want to introduce the final actor in this film. Yes, please. Big breakthrough role for him. Mm-hmm. Tobin Bell as Jigsaw slash John. Yeah. Uh, he actually was a member of the actor's studio with Ellen Burstyn. Interesting. And he's he had been acting for 30-some years before this. Yeah. And he just, like, suddenly broke I mean, yeah, that's the uh, that's the dream, right? So Great. I he actually is one of my favorite actors in this. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not in it like he is in it, but not. Yeah, it's a vocal performance almost. I was entirely. about to say yeah. you don't you don't you don't see his kicking and screaming. No, no, <laughs> I yeah. Um. All right, so All right, yeah. Let me do a few other things here, and then we'll For be sure. good to go. For sure, I'm ready. Yeah. So David A. Armstrong was the DP here. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of horror credits to his name. Um, some of them in this franchise as well. They brought him back for a few of them, but primarily he, you know, has just done. He, he's a guy who like really worked his way up through the the cinematography world. Sure. 
And so that's really all I really wanted to say about that. Um, You know, he's done second unit direction, things like that, which is good for him. Um, He did Skinwalkers uh, in 2006 as the DP, cinematographer for Sam's Lake, DP for Saw 2 and Saw 5. Like, it, you know, he also did my favorite credit of his, P.S. Your Cat is Dead, a 2002 film directed by Steve uh, Gutenberg. I feel like I've heard of that. I have not. I just saw it on his oh my list, God, where and have I was I like, heard of that? I mean, you are a huge Steve Gutenberg fan. I don't. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look into that because that's gonna bother me. Before I've seen that. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. Production design was from Julie Berghoff. Mm-hmm. Art direction from Nanette Hardy. Yeah. Costume design from Jennifer Soulage. Mm-hmm. And then we had Eleanor Sabatakia as the head of the makeup department. Got it. So that's basically all I have to say on the production side of this. I don't know what this was shot on. I looked, looked and looked everywhere. and looked. I know the short, the original yeah. short was shot on 16 millimeter and then mm-hmm. transferred to digital. Um, actually, I think like literally just transferred to DVDs, which is a, a really rough process. But right, I don't know what this film was shot on. I have searched. I promise you I have the original production notes they handed out at Sundance and it doesn't have any single iota of information in there for it. And I'm like very sorry secret. for you. Yeah, I hate that. I was just yelling to you about that. Like, stop hiding your production secrets. I need to know how to shoot things, too. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, sorry, guys. We don't have that information. We tried. Very hard. Very hard. Two whole cups of coffee searching for that. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while. Yeah. So, let's dive right into a plot. We've got our photographer, Adam Stanheit, which I don't think we actually ever know his last name. Yeah, I know. Like, and it's even it's Adam Faulkner Stanheit, and I'm just like okay. They gave him a full name. Yeah, it's a it's a hyphenated last name. Oh. With so many letters in it. Well, okay. <laughs> it's kind of a shocking beginning. Like this this film begins and ends in a in a great way. I think. Yeah. I think it's in the middle that it um, kind of gets interesting, which we'll 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 go into for sure. I'd say dicey, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll definitely go into that. But yeah, so we kind of we start this film with Adam kind of like this gasping breath, um, and we find that he's in a, a bathtub, in this like disgusting bathroom. Yeah. Um, just like shit everywhere, rust, mildew, like probably shit that we haven't even discovered yet on this <laughs> planet. A new species. A new like ecosystem down there, some shit. But yeah, he. He wakes up with like a gasp and he's like kind of like underwater, like he's been drowning or something. And then we kind of see him pull the plug from the bathtub and something goes down in there. You really can't see much because we then learn that he's completely in the dark. Yeah. So we're only we're very, very low lit here. Correct. And you discover things pretty, pretty fucking quickly here. Like he gets out of the bathtub. You find that he's chained to a pipe by his uh, ankle. Mm hmm. And then you hear a voice, and after he's like, "Turn on the lights, turn on, someone, turn on the lights." He's like, "If I could, I would." And he's like, "Wait, I found, I think I found something." Turns on the light, and then we meet our doctor, our Carriolus, oncologist. Yeah, yeah. Um, we meet our oncologist named Lawrence Lawrence Gordon, um, and then we see a lovely bleeded out corpse in between them, holding yeah. a revolver and a tape recorder. And you're just like, "Okay, yeah." Chill, chill, chill. Cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. Love this. Um, (laughs) So much blood on the floor. Yeah, yeah. So much blood. And things move pretty quickly here. They find, they both find like a tape in their uh, pockets. 
Adam retrieves the recorder, which kind of ma- cracked me up where um, the doctor's <laughs> like, use your shirt, like his flannel or whatever. Yeah. It's like, use your shirt. And I'm like over here thinking like, how the fuck is that going to get a tape recorder? Over here? Like he's just like throwing his flannel, like trying to scoot this recorder closer to him. And I'm just like, bro. How long have y'all been in here? Because you guys are nuts. Like, yeah. there's no way <laughs> that's already gonna lost work. it. <laughs> there's no way that's gonna work. Um, but he eventually gets it. I think he grabs like a hook or something and puts it. I don't know. He, he gets the plug from the bathtub and that's manages right. to hook it with that. Yeah. That's right. So I mean, he he MacGyver's it and finally gets the tape. Is the point or the, gets the recorder? I'm very impressed with him. He's got a lot of ingenuity in that little boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, when um, when the stakes are that high and it's you know you're in a Room like that, I think you've got a lot of chutzpah to get out. But anyway, so Adam's tape urges him to try to escape the room. Yep. <laughs> this is maybe this is why I hate the the whole like idea of escape the rooms. Yeah, they're just not for me. Um, I get that. I'm just I'm just not interested in in that, and I'm glad that I'm not single now because I'm sure I would end up going on a date with a person and they would be like we're gonna do an escape room and i would be like i'm gonna go home um <laughs> lose my number thank you yeah Bye. oh i don't think you were my date actually <laughs> and then i just start losing it i just start pretending that i have amnesia i'm like i need to go home but anyway so and then of course lawrence's tape tells him to kill adam by six o'clock or his wife and cute little daughter diana will be killed yep so this, this is where the game begins, and yeah, yeah. So I'll let you take over from here. <laughs> I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we have a long period of them just sort of trying to figure out how to get out of these chains and everything, and they get their little. Uh, they get the hacksaws. Yeah. So they they get their little clues right to start off. Yeah, X marks the spot. And follow your heart. And follow your heart. And there's like a heart on the toilet. This is what I was having trouble piecing together. There's like a heart on the toilet. And, and then Adam immediately reaches into the bowl as I was about to, say, to the reservoir. I was about to say, we need to point that out. We need to point out, point out that he literally sticks his whole hand in just like diarrhea. Yeah. And he's like, there are no solids. And I was like, what is that, this? What a gross line. Oh, my God. We have to go. We have to go back to the line where he says uh, where the doctor is trying to introduce himself to Adam. Yeah. And Adam says, hi, I'm fucking confused. Nice yeah. to meet you. And I was like, oh, brother. What a dad like, what joke. A, yeah, like what a what a line. He what also a line. Has, yeah, he also has a line. There, there's just a lot of lines they think are so clever in this movie. You can tell how clever they thought these lines were. And one of them is another one that Adam says. He's like, well, I woke up in my shithole apartment. Or I went to sleep in my shithole apartment. And then I woke up in an actual shithole. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, brother. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he eventually, you know, figures out that it's in the reservoir and not in the toilet bowl. And it's like a bag with two hacksaws. Yeah. And so, of course, they they go and try and um, cut cut the chains. Right. And there's just like kind of this like montage moment of like the cameras going back and forth, back and forth between them. And they're kind of very rhythmically sawing. Yeah. They're at two different pitches. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a moment. Yeah. The doctor's taking his time and Adam is just furiously, furiously going yeah. and breaks his saw. Yep. Also, title drop with a prop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Gordon realizes that 
the saws are supposed to be used on their feet, not the chains. Exactly. And it's like, oh, I think I know who did this. And he starts, this is where we start getting all the flashbacks. Yeah. So we then get the first sort of flashback montage situation of the Jigsaw Killer. Yes. Where we meet Ken Lung and Danny Glover's characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Tap and Detective Singh. They walk into this horrifying room where there is a middle-aged man trapped in a bunch of razor wire. Yes. And we found out that like there's the this is where we get the recording another recording from Jigsaw. You know, it says like, "Oh, you were a perfectly healthy 46-year-old man with a with a comfortable happy life, yet mm-hmm. last week you decided to take a razor blade across your wrist. Did you want to die or did you want to feel something?" And so, so he then traps him in a cage full of razor wire and says, "You have 2 hours to escape." Yeah. "You will have to bleed to live." Or if you want to die, you can stay right where you are. So, yeah. yeah. This is where we get, like, the motivation. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, and there's the there's the line, like, how far would you go? Or, like, would you die to live? I think that's, like, one of the taglines yeah. of the movie. How far something. would you go to survive? Or, like, how, yeah, how far would you? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. What like would that. you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it always reminds me of for some I reason. know. So... Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, we get a series of these, right? So we yes. get many anecdotes. Yeah, many. <laughs> we get the woman, young woman who survives. So Dr. Gordon becomes a, a, uh, oh, sorry. So there's a second. Okay, let me back up, back up, back up. So we get the guy with the great razor wire who struggled so hard that it cut th- so hard into his stomach that there was stomach acid on the floor. Yes. Um, and like died of bleeding out from his femoral artery. Because if you don't know what razor wire is, it's very, 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 very sharp wire. Mm-hmm. And the more you move, the more it cuts. That's the point of it. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. So we get him. We get the guy who burned to death because he was trapped in a room. And his body was covered in flam- a flammable substance. And there's a safe with a key to let him out of the room. Mm-hmm. And the key, or the the combination to the safe is somewhere on the walls of the room. Right. But it's dark, and there's glass all over the floor, and the num- the walls of the room are just covered in numbers, like literally just like hundreds and hundreds of numbers. Yeah. So we don't. <laughs> it this this trap is a little weird to me. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Um, but he ends up, yeah, burning to death. Uh, so they think the the detectives think that Dr. Gordon was the one who did it because they found his pen light at the scene of the, the flame murder. Yeah. He then, like, clears himself with an alibi because he was seeing someone who wasn't his wife and wasn't a patient. Yes. Maybe, maybe not cheating on his wife. We don't know. Yes, yes. We, it's, it's very, it's unclear. So he comes in, listens to this woman's story about how her face was in a bear trap. Yeah. And that she had to kill a man. Well, she's told that the man is dead and she has to cut open his stomach to get the key. Yeah. Turns out as she's about to stab him with this like Swiss army knife, which terrible tool for that. Yeah. 
he wakes up and is alive, but he was in an opiate overdose. Right, that's right. And was paralyzed. So we find out that Amanda actually is a heroin addict. And this is what cured her of that. Right. Right? Which yeah. is, it's, so we find out like there's a moralistic nature to this yeah it's one of those really it's one of those strange things where um oh my god it's it it plays into the delusion of it plays into the delusion of this serial killer thinking that they're doing thinking that they're doing good and making the world a better place by doing this is often is often a a uh, delusional motivation of serial killers. Like there's yeah. some sort of like brain thing. Like I've, I mean, guys, I've watched a lot of you know docu series and documentaries on like serial <laughs> killers because I don't know, I'm clearly just fascinated by that stuff. And there's always something that kind of ignites it. Whether it's like I saw a vision or I had a dream that it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Slenderman, like yeah. those girls blamed that they saw Slenderman and they had to kill their friend. Yeah, that for he him. Told, yeah, that he was telling them to kill kill their friends. It's kind of it's kind of like that. Like they see some sort of vision or something usually, and it's like I have to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a lot to say about the movie's opinion about the killer in this. Oh, about for Jigsaw. sure. Oh, for sure. But for now, let's keep moving, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so detectives Tap and Singh end up finding Jigsaw's warehouse using the videotape from Amanda's quote unquote game. Yeah. They are like searching through. They don't need a warrant for some reason. Yeah. I don't know because all because co- all cops are bastards. Yeah, they go through <laughs> they go through this kind of thing where they're like, well, at least the the night will cover us, and it's yeah. and he's like, well, it'll cover anyone else too. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, they I just clearly... put like an actor aside that they left in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it, an actor it, yeah, making totally a joke about like how shit that. the script is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, um, yeah, it, you see that they clearly know that they're doing something wrong. Yeah, so they do find Jigsaw. Yeah. And managed to apprehend him. Mm-hmm. And he he's like, well, now you get to now you get to play a game too. Yeah. Save the man's life or bring me in. Your yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. Detective Tap, Danny Glover, does manage to get him on his knees by holding him at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Detective Singh manages to shoot the drill bits yeah. off. Mm-hmm. But Jigsaw has a sudden, like this Assassin's Creed moment where he suddenly has a blade hidden in his sleeve. Yeah. And just turns around and slices Danny Glover's throat. Uh, Which, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say right now, the only, the only, even though they're cops, they're the only two that I root for in this, in this movie. Yeah. And so I felt something when he got like slashed in the neck. I was like, no, you almost had him. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly think this movie works better for me as like uh, one of the more dramatic episodes of like Law and Order SVU or something where there's actually a chase. Yeah. Like this almost because it, it, it almost has the vibe of like uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose where it's like a detective case inside of a horror film. It's the inverse. Yeah. Yeah. It's the inverse. That Yeah. That's what I was um, getting at. 
And so I don't know. I root. I root more for the two cops, which is crazy of me to say. Yeah. Than I do uh, the guys that are actually stuck in the room. It's because it's Danny Glover, and he's so yeah. Lovable. That's true. I love that's him. true. And I think it's just like I don't know. He's been on the case for a while. I don't know. There's something. Yeah. About he's it. trying to save people, and yeah. it's like detectives are the only cops who are even remotely okay. I don't yeah. want to keep them around. I want a version of them, though. Like, yeah. we need people to solve murders. Right. That's a thing that needs to happen. They probably <laughs> shouldn't be gun people. <laughs> What's that meme that's like, that's like, we should just hire, like, the white ladies that yeah. have a true crime podcast? Down for it. They've solved more cases than the cops have. They really have. They have a lot of time on their hands, guys. We could, <laughs> you know, it's, there's something there. Yeah. Um. I'm all for <laughs> a grizzled P.I. Just don't give him a gun. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. speaking of guns, anyway, Detective Singh gives chase to Jigsaw mm-hmm. and hits him with a shotgun. Yeah. Which, you know, impressive shot down a hallway. For sure. But as he's walking forward to go check the body, he hits a tripwire. Yeah. And a bunch of shotguns go off and blow him to pieces, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Goodbye, Detective Singh. Yeah. Detective Tap goes down and finds this and is just like, no, we had him. We had him. Yeah. And goes crazy. Yeah. Loses his damn mind. Yeah. Which, understandable. Mm-hmm. You have this serial killer in your grasp. Yeah. And your young buck of a partner just dies in front of you. Yeah. In a very gruesome way. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that part's insane. It's where he um, he trips over the, the wires and yeah. it all of the guns are connected and it just triggers like... Is, I mean, it's it's an insane amount of shotguns up there. It's like, like a good four or five shotguns. Yeah, yeah. Didn't want to miss. It's Yeah, it's literally... <laughs> yeah, literally overkill. Oh, my God. But... Oh, this plot is so convoluted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... It kind of just goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten with, like, the kills. And so you're yeah. just like, okay, all right. <laughs> Which one are we at? Well, yeah. We finally get back home. We see Allison and Diana together. Yes. Um, and Michael Emerson comes out and uh, captures, like, you know, ties them both up and everything. Yeah. Tap is across the street in his little. <laughs> oh, my God. It's that classic scene of, like, the person who's just too obsessed over a case. Yeah. And they're living in a shithole full of Krispy Kreme boxes oh and so, so many coffee nose. cups. And, like, he's disheveled and it looks like shit and there's newspaper clippings everywhere. The only thing it's missing is red string. They never show you a, and this is obviously intentional, but they never show you a nice place. Even the police, like, precinct or whatever, wherever they're questioning the doctor in the beginning. There's always this film of, like, it looks like... Looks like there's algae on the walls or something. Yeah. Like there's always this green like overlay and and it, it follows you to Adam's shithole apartment that he yeah. so we, we get like a flashback later and we see that and then obviously the shit stain room <laughs> that the two guys are in. <laughs> like you you never yeah, see only, a nice place. Except for the doctor's house, yeah. Oh yeah. But it's still kind of like dimly lit and you can tell it, that yeah, they yeah. you can tell that they don't want that to be a focal point at all. Yeah. Like you don't really see his house. 100%. You do but you don't. Yeah. Um and and yeah, the the detective's house is so on the nose. He's got like a full wall of newspaper clippings. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, like the red yarn on the it, um, that's the only thing that's missing. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That's not in there. Sorry. No, but you um, can it, it's it, it's implied. emotionally there. It's implied. It's emotionally yeah. there. He's got 
got his little his little tax. I'm gonna find you. I shouldn't have let you go. Ah. Oh my god, yeah. And I'm just like, bro. He's going off. Bro. Whoa. But yeah, the Krispy Kreme oh. donuts was hilarious too. It was just it was very yeah, on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, Tap is convinced that Dr. Gordon is in fact Jigsaw. Yeah. And now we're back in the shithole room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gordon finds a box with two cigarettes, a lighter, one-way cell phone, and that triggers his memory that he was abducted by a pig mask figure in right. like a parking garage. He and Adam come up with a plan to fake Adam's death because there's this whole line about with that much. There's this whole line about with that much poison in your blood. Mm-hmm. The only thing to do is shoot yourself or something like that. Yeah. So he dips one of the cigarettes in the supposedly poison blood. Right. And puts it back in the box and then cuts the lights and whispers a plan to Adam. Mm-hmm. And I hate this trope so much. Yeah. I hate this trope so much. Yeah. It's like when someone says like, okay, here's the plan. And then it cuts away. And like, you just see someone whispering in the other person's ear. Yeah. Or like this, where it's like, it's just such an intentional obfuscation. Yeah. That it bugs the fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, it's It's so just like, transparently you didn't want like you are this is going to fail because you're not telling me what's going to happen yeah and you want me to feel suspense but what i actually feel is annoyed yeah yeah exactly trust your viewers i don't know so he then tosses adam a cigarette and a lighter and yeah he really terribly pretends to gag and die from poison and then immediately is electrocuted so it's like oh yeah no i knew you were faking that fuck you they're like how did he know yeah yeah (laughs) it's like couldn't have been for my amazing acting (laughs) right so then adam's memory comes back about his own abduction he was in his apartment developing photos and finds a puppet and was attacked by a big masked figure as well yeah gordon's wife calls like zepp uh michael emerson's character yes has calls the the one-way cell phone yeah and has gordon's wife diane no not diana Allie, mm-hmm. tell him not to trust adam yes that's when we find out that adam was actually stalking dr gordon on detective taps payroll Exactly because oh, sorry, of the was, sorry <laughs> because of the uh, yeah there the, there are a lot of like crossed wires and reveals in in this movie and so it can kind of get a little bit confusing because for a while I was thinking like Adam is a very random choice because right. it made sense why the heroin addict was chosen yeah. before and also the person who was do, uh, practicing self harm and everything mm-hmm. like that made sense and then the doctor made sense because everybody made sense as a choice and i'll go into that later yeah but up until this point adam didn't make sense as a choice until i found out that he was working for the detective yeah because there's a line about being a voyeur yeah exactly yeah yeah so this was the this was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, at least, you know, this plot hole has somewhat been covered. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Adam admits all of this and shows Dr. Gordon the photos that he had taken that were in the bag with the hacksaws. Yes. But he Adam reveals that he's like, yeah, I know you're having an affair with any of your medical students. Mm-hmm. But then Adam finds a photo he didn't take, and it's one of Zepp. Yep. 
Who's but, an orderly yeah, at yeah. the hospital. But the clock strikes six. Yep. And Gordon has not killed Adam. Nope. <laughs> so Zepp tries to kill Allison and Diana, but Allison is one of the only capable people in this film and manages to get her bonds undone. Ah, oh, boss ass bitch. She's yeah. got her child. I mean, she's going through so much psychological trauma, like in real time. And then she has her child who she's probably, you know, she's going through, she's, she's going through both of their psychological traumas at the same time. Yeah. And so for her to have sound mind enough to undo mm-hmm. that and then also be smart enough to where when she heard him coming back or kind of saw him, she right. had the sense sense about her to like kind of stage it like she never got free. Right, because that was a good that. moment. Yeah. yeah, that was... It was really great. Yeah. That was a good moment. And then, I mean, she, she fucking saved her and her daughter's life. Like, boss yeah. ass bitch. Detective Tap starts hearing all these gunshots go off. So does Gordon <laughs> yeah. over the phone. Yes. And which just puts him into a complete spiral. Yes. Um, Tap tries to get Zep, fails, but manages to, you know, track him. And they Mm -hmm. have this really ridiculous car chase. Yeah. It's (laughs) (laughs) Um, funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they go to down into the sewers. Yep. And it seems like Tap is going to win this one. He's got him up against the wall. He's got the gun. He's trying to point it at Zep's head. And then Zep ducks and Tap shoots himself in the chest. Oh, of course. That was a that was one of my... It was very silly, but it was one of my favorite moments yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. Just like, damn. <laughs> so, yeah. Gordon is just like, you know what? Fuck this. He saws his foot off. Ugh. With the hacksaw. Mm-hmm. As Adam is just like, no, no, no. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. God, how yeah. weird would that be if he if he was just like chill? Yeah, just like watching. No, him. I mean this is it's a great like scream freak out moment. Yeah. And Gordon's like, you know what? Fuck it, and just does his foot, grabs a revolver, and shoots at him. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I did it! I did it! I did it! I'm sorry, I did it! I'm a little late. <laughs> well, which I kept I kept saying, I was like, I was like, that's kind of stupid because anyone who's playing by these rules, if they make an exception, yeah. then they don't hold as much power. So but I was that's kind the of desperation, just like, huh? Yeah, that's true. But I also was just kind of like, bro, you're late. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so Zep tries to come in and kill Gordon, but Adam somehow survives yeah. the gunshot and beats Zep to death with a toilet lid. Which yeah, it's a uh, visceral. We also scene. saw in Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. This actually, this in Evil Dead, they they have similar moments, like the sawing yeah. off of right. a limb, and you know, bashing in with a toilet head. You know, yeah. There are some similarities. There, and I'm not trying to say anybody ripped anyone off. I'm no, just no, no, saying no. That, yeah, it's that, those are very visceral deaths. Yeah, and so well, when you're using when you're using things that you just have, yeah. you're automatically going to just have the same things like yeah it's yeah. not nobody ripped anyone off but yeah so gordon's like okay i have to go i have to get out of here i'm gonna bleed to death because i'm using my dress shirt as a tourniquet and that's not gonna last long oof yeah and he's like he's blue in the face his yeah. he's fading fast you can yeah. tell and i was like no help me out get me out of here <laughs> don't leave me but he does. Um, and Adam starts searching Zepp's body for the key and just finds another tape. And it revealed that Zepp was another victim of Jigsaw's. 
and was just following rules to obtain an antidote for a slow-acting poison in his body. Yeah. As the tape goes through, or it's, as the tape is the end, uh, we see the corpse in the background of the shot start mm-hmm. moving. And that turns out to be John Kramer, the oncology patient from the beginning of the film. Yep. The real jigsaw killer who tells Adam that the key to his chain was in the bathtub the whole time and it went down the drain when he woke up. Oof. Adam tries to shoot John with Sepp's gun, but John electrocutes him again and shuts off the lights before sealing the door, leaving a helpless Adam to die. Bye, Adam. <laughs> oh, my God, this fucking plot. I know. Oh. I know. We Sorry, made it it's through. so many twists and turns. Well? Yeah, so this movie, I I certainly struggle with it, but I will say that it is the best of the others because it kind of, uh, with the ones that came after it, it kind of felt like they drank the Kool-Aid a little bit and it became a machine of just, like, torture porn. Yes. Like, with this one, it at least, um, it at least goes into like a serial killer mindset and it's just more interesting in that way as opposed to the other ones just felt like we're just going to make it as gruesome as possible because we've already set it up yeah um but i still i still struggle with this movie for multiple reasons other than just like kind of the torture porn yeah so the creators originally didn't set out to make a torture porn movie yeah, and that's the that's what I was hoping. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a great interview from the AV Club that I found with the two of them. It's like a, a retrospective interview. It's after their careers have taken off and they, they're looking back at their legacy. Yeah. And this was right around the time that Insidious came out, sure. which they also did together. Yes. So what they said, this is where a lot of that information also came from about the, the origins of this movie, like mm-hmm. how they made the shorts to yeah. get the funding and all of that. But they had this idea for they, they like the way they toss it around is actually how a lot of writing just works is mm-hmm. that you have a writing partner, you have a slight premise of an idea. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times you come up with your working title uh, that yeah. gives you the premise of what's your what's of what you're gonna do. Like it gives you the the, the thesis statement. And that's mm-hmm. what a good title does, and that's why you have working titles. Yeah. So they batted the idea around for a while, and they were struggling with writing it because what happened was is that Juan had the beginning and the end. He did not have the middle. He knew there was going to be a twist. He knew what he knew vaguely what the twist would be, but he didn't know how to get from A to B, which is where Wanel came in. So he was, Wan was getting these migraines while trying to write this, mm-hmm. which just happens when you're stressed out. For sure. So thanks to public health care in Australia, even though he was broke, he could still he could still go get an MRI. Right. And that's where he came up with the idea for what if it's a tumor? What if the doctor told me I only have a year left to live? How would I feel about that? Right. So then they come up with the idea for the serial killer, Jigsaw, mm-hmm. who gives people the option to live so like they so the idea of jigsaw is that he is a terminally ill cancer patient yep with an inoperable brain tumor so his whole thing is well other people don't appreciate their lives mm-hmm. so i'm going to show them how to and so they they took it from like okay so if it, if i was told i only had an hour or a year left to live and i wanted to be a serial killer i would give people 10 minutes to live or whatever right for example Totally, totally. And so it's this, and this this gets a lot of comparisons to Seven, which is fair. Yeah. But the idea is that it's, yeah, moralistic killings. But he doesn't actually kill anyone mm-hmm. directly. 
Yeah, he doesn't put a gun to anyone's head and shoot them. Right. Yeah. He gives them a puzzle to solve so that they will appreciate their lives more once they get out. If they get yes, out. Yes, yes. Which which I will also <laughs> I will also be honest and say that I think the movie is is better than I gave it credit for in my past. That's fair. I used to just be like, I used to just give this movie like scathing reviews and just be like, don't waste your time, like all of this stuff. But I don't know when I'm thinking about, and I still don't think it's like a fantastic movie by any means. It's not going to ever be on the top of my list of recommendations, but. I won't recommend it. But the thought process that you just presented I think is the reason why I'm kind of like, okay, this wasn't just like, you know, willy-nilly killing spree. It was just... It's a really cool idea that lacks execution. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Because the problem the problem with this movie, in my opinion, is that what horror movies do so well is play on, your, on the audience's innermost fears. Yes. And this fear is a little too outlandish for anyone to relate to. Yeah. So, and you also don't really care whether the characters live or die. Right. They don't, they try to do it with the doctor by giving him obviously um, a beautiful family. Right. That he's also taking, you know, he's kind of taking them for granted though. So it's kind of like he sucks still. Because yeah. he's like cheating on his wife. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's it's kind <laughs> of implied. He swears up and down that he never cheated on his wife, but he has been, I think he means he never fucked his student. He was edging. Yeah. Like he was getting there. He was doing the flirty thing for yeah. sure. I mean, Emotional cheating, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. So A, you never care about the characters. You don't even care about the past characters because we don't know anything about them other than one, um, you know, there was a heroin addict and um, and then... Um, a man some, practicing self-harm. A man practicing and, self-harm, yeah. which obviously those are um, terrible things for someone to go through. Um, a heroin addiction and uh, someone who practices self-harm. That's that's terrible, yeah. but it's really hard with the amount of time and background that you're given to connect to any of these characters. Mm-hmm. And I also, I also think that none of us are ever going to be in this particular situation. The closest realistic fear comes from the mother and child just being yes. tied up and because that shit that shit happens like people get held hostage unfortunately 100% it just happened in the Bronx with an old couple yeah like a couple weeks ago it happens so that's really the only but that's not enough of the movie to really make the viewer feel shook by it because they're also not they're barely even in it exactly that's what I mean is that in any of these other circumstances I kind of just felt like it was it was twisted but like playful you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. it wasn't really ever going to rock me to my core and make me think about it forever, which I which I think with these movies with immense shock value, I think that that's what they're going for and through the execution it failed. Yeah. I Okay, I've got a bunch of things I want to say about this and most of them are negative. I will do my best to be as charitable as possible here. Everything you just said is totally correct. I I agree with you 100% on all of that. Just because, yeah, it's it's a cool idea that lacks execution. And the reasons, one of the reasons it lacks execution is that the characters just are not motivating. 
Yeah. Like the idea of it being two people locked in a room. Like that's why Tobin Bell took the script. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, this is dope. It's mostly just two dudes locked in a room and they have to escape. And then he got to the end and he was like, oh, shit, I get to be the killer. Fuck yeah. Like, this is so cool. And I get that from the actor perspective. I can see reading this script and going, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, in Blair Witch Project executed this way better by having a an imaginary room. Yeah. That they're all in and having them psychologically go in, I mean they go insane and they have to deal with each other's insanity. This one doesn't really give me that at all but they're yeah. actually in a scary room in a scary situation and I don't feel the same dread that I do in no. Blair Witch Project. No, not even close. And it's I think it's that the film is a little too big. That's one of the other it problems. Is. It's a little too wide ranging. There's too many parts to it. It's I I like the idea of the flashback sequences. I get that that's like, okay, the doctor was a suspect in the case, and so he learned a lot about the case. Yeah, we have to have some background. Yeah, yeah. and I, I get that, and I'm here for that part of it, but I don't need the detective story. Yeah. And I don't need... I don't know. It it would feel more terrifying if it were a play. If this were like waiting for Godot, mm-hmm. but Godot's been dead on pretending to be dead on the floor the entire time. For sure. For you know? sure. I think that's really what it is. It's like that's yeah. the that's the premise I want to see. It's the waiting for Godot with a dead body in the floor on the floor. Yeah. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, the beginning of this movie is is great and the end of this movie the twist is predictable but good you know like i i think that it it, back when it came out i'm sure it shocked people like the twist was probably like oh my god and probably brought a lot of people to the theater oh it did yeah but i don't know i think it's just it gets very convoluted and muddy and i just i want to feel something yeah in order to make me feel afraid yeah and the other thing that was distracting here was that a lot of the acting just wasn't very good a lot of great actors in this which it makes me it makes me um curious about the rest of the team then because i was actually having a conversation with um two of my very good friends this week about about how very often i mean all the time we blame the actor for the bad acting yeah and of course like get trained do do your due diligence like get you know uh hone your craft do all of that but there are so many pieces between the actor laying down a scene and the you know and the movie coming out yeah there there is the director there is you know you take multiple you do multiple takes and and then the director and the editor there so there's the director the editor it could also just be a shitty script so there's the writers there's it's all these things but the actor is the one who gets the brunt of it yes and yes that is the price you pay for being in the public eye but i understand why so many actors are fucking crazy yeah because that would drive me (laughs) insane just to be like the like i took i wanted to take it a different route but the director was like absolutely not you have to say it this way yes and then i was like well that doesn't make sense but the director's the director Mm -hmm. you know what i like there are just so many different people that have their hands on this but then the actor is the one who's like oh they're a shitty actor right you know yeah so with that there's one thing i want to say and then i want to jump into why i think that all happened right 
So I had misremembered how this movie went. This is not my first time seeing this. I don't think I'd ever actually watched it all the way through because I was usually very, very bored by this movie. I just think it's a boring movie. Yeah. Like it's not, there's no, the stakes don't feel real. There's too much going on and it's just kind of a plotty movie. Yeah. It's a very plotty movie, right? For sure. And I don't love plotty movies. I think they're very boring because it's like you're trying to overwrite yeah. to make up for yeah. stuff. You're, like you're writing yourself out of corners constantly and I can feel that. And mm-hmm. it either stresses me out as a writer yeah. <laughs> and a director or it annoys me yeah. or bores me. For sure. So one of the things I misremembered, I knew the twist, but I forgot that it was Tobin Bell right. who is the killer. And I thought it was Carrie Yulwis who is the director or the the killer which he and gives so you those vibes he does and so that's, i would I get think that. that's on purpose but yeah. that's such a weird red herring like i understand yeah. it and i get it he almost gives you a very like batman performance but this yeah. isn't a superhero movie so it's it, i think it's just there isn't a cohesive the actors lack like a cohesive vision yes we've talked about this before in other movies you know too. when yeah. you're you know when you're in like a campy movie and you mm-hmm. you would adjust right like yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't act like you're well maybe you'd act like you're on a soap opera i guess it depends but um that was a bad example but you know what i mean i feel yeah. like there was just not a cohesive like this is this type of movie and mm-hmm. you know adjust your acting style to this genre sort yeah. of thing yeah and i don't think anybody had a clear vision on this yeah and i think that's the big problem here and one of the other big problems was the production schedule Mm-hmm. So they had to shoot this in 18 days Ooh. on a $700,000 budget. That was, the, that was a shoot budget. It was $700,000. Wow. You do not have a fucking ounce of time to do that. For, the, for a movie of this scale, this is where you start trimming down scripts. Yeah. Because you don't need to do all of that. But once everybody's cast and then they give you the budget, you're like, well, fuck me. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this? So I do feel for these guys. Like, yeah, yeah. For the, uh, for the direction and writing team because... I think they probably wrote a pretty decent script. Yeah, it just kind the of the dialogue's a lot of not it. great, but like yeah, yeah, but like so James Wan has talked about how he was like I there are so many shots I wanted to get. He's like I want to shoot this completely differently because that's one of my big problems with this film. Is it looks like shit. It really it is an does. Ugly fucking film. I hate kind of the the multiple uh, shots that look like it's out of like a corn video. Yeah. Where it's, like the, it's almost. I don't even. Maybe you have a better um, term for it, but it's like the. It's like this. It's almost like stop motion in a way. Yeah. It's so very... it's it's a sped up film, right? So what yeah. you do is you shoot the film, and then in post you'll uh, you just have an actor like scream and uh, so we're talking about the the bear trap scene. And some with Adam. There's another one with Adam that there does the, Adam, same, yeah. the same effect. So it's a thing where you, basically all you do is you shoot it and you have the actor just do their rage for like a solid five minutes. Yeah. And then you just speed that up to twice speed. Okay. But okay. you like adjust the lighting and do all these things with it to make it look in very contrasty. So yeah. it gives you this sort of, it's a thing that they used a lot. Yeah, Corn's a great example. Nine Inch Nails did this a lot. Exactly. Like it was a very like industrial grunge metal, new metal thing in music videos for a long time. Well, and that definitely seemed like their target audience. Like it absolutely based, was. The based music Based on alone. the music, yeah. <laughs> and and also just like the characters. I think I think Adam especially, they were trying to get people to see themselves in Adam. Um, yeah, he's supposed to be the, sympath- the most sympathetic one, even though the doctor, because the doctor, like Carrie Ulis is giving this very strange performance. 
again, like very Batman-esque. Yeah. And I was just like, what's going on here? But like uh, Shawnee Smith had to shoot her scene in a, her, all of her scenes in one day. Yeah. Danny Glover shot all of his in two. Like. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really blame anyone for this film's misfortunes. I think that, again, there's just so, there's so much that happens between an, uh, the spark of an idea and even the writing of a script yeah. and the movie the the movie premiere you yeah. know there's so many things that happen between those times that often it 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 creates a perfect like terrible storm yes. so it the movie just is slowly chipped away at chipped yeah. away at it's so, all wrapped up in a production nightmare um, yeah. cuz they even talked about how the production uh, the the studio and everything were like well, J-Horror is very popular right now. We want to mm. do a remix of J-Horror. Because The Grudge came out this year, too. Yeah. The yeah, same yeah, weekend, yeah. in fact. Mm. Um, it was Halloween weekend. Oh, for sure. Okay. So The Grudge came out and actually beat them at the box office. Although this became the most profitable movie after Scream uh, yeah. in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And then it's been beaten out recently. And I think we covered the movie. And I can't think of what it is right now because I'm coming up on my new medication. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... There are, I, I am more sympathetic to the filmmakers than I was previously. Now, I have seen James Wan's further work and uh, Lee Wano's f- uh, further work, and I don't like them as filmmakers. I think that they, maybe they're stuck in a nightmare of production shit, but I just don't love their vision. And yeah. I've seen James Wan's protege's work, and it's also bad. Gotcha. I don't think he's a great filmmaker. Got it. I think he is someone who really wants to be, and I see that in him. Mm-hmm. And so I feel for him because he's someone who it's it's funny because he's like this mediocre filmmaker who has all the fucking money in the world. Like uh, when in this interview keeps using the phrase champagne problems. Yeah. And so like they talked about like they're like we didn't want to do a sequel to Saw. Yeah. We had no desire to do that. We ended the film. We ended the story where we thought the story ended. And I respect the fuck out of that. Yeah. And, and I, I think... also respect like, well, I guess I'll take the check for the next yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, that's 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 the tough thing. That's, yeah. That's capitalism, folks. Because Juan um, wrote the next two sequels. And Juan hasn't been involved at all other than an, as like an, an EP yeah. for creating the idea mm-hmm. so he's getting checks from all the sequels but he actually doesn't come out and say it but fucking hates all the sequels <laughs> i mean yeah they're he's not like they're not great yeah he's no. like i don't know they just sort of took it to like torture porn and they wanted to uh, go into the mythology and he's like you know these this creative team they set themselves up into a bit of a nightmare where they were like we want to release one a year and yeah. you wrap on a friday and you have to pitch on monday and so it's like okay i get it like yeah. He, he kind of has this very shruggy attitude about the franchise because he's like, I don't, I, this is not me. Like, yeah. this is not what I want to be remembered for. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for all of them. I'm proud of the work that they have done for themselves, but it's not my work. Yeah. And so I do like see this sort of sadness in him about this film. And I think he regrets a lot of the decisions that were made about this film. For and sure. like, um, a lot of the stuff people loved about this movie was an accident, right? Like all of those crazy like flipping shots and the newspaper clippings and the still photography. Mm-hmm. They put that in because they didn't have coverage. They right. could only do a couple of takes. Like they literally didn't have time to do more than a few takes per actor. Yeah, and which that's is tough. unfortunate. That's, that's really why you get bad scenes. Yeah. And and I'm I'm not gonna lie, this movie isn't um 
this movie is is entertaining at parts. Like I I didn't really find myself drifting too too much. I uh, I mean I always try to stay engaged, but with um, some movies it's just it's it's a lot harder. Um, but with this one I honestly was, and I think it was whenever the de- the detectives were um, doing a chase scene or doing their work, I was like completely enthralled. So like this yeah. movie, if this movie if you're going into it with not like high hopes to be like shook or moved or anything you just want kind of like a weird uh throwback story because it, yeah. it definitely has you know vibes of like the 2000s like it's it's fully too it, it's the you know, most two, i think it's the most aunts movie i've ever seen yeah so if you're just like kind of in the mood for that just kind of like a fun ride then this is a good movie to watch but yeah there are definitely other ones that i there are about a hundred that i would recommend to you before this yeah so the last thing I really want to talk about is my big problems with the movie that aren't from the production side because I don't think they're to blame for most of those. Yeah. Again, script needed more passes. They needed coverage, but that's not their fault. That's why, yeah, it's like but I said, I don't blame a single person or portion of the, the studio. team. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I whoever mean, did Carrie Yolis' makeup. Oh, yeah, that was not that was not good. But... So I, I love Tobin Bell in this. I think he's the best actor in this. Yeah. I think he also had the clearest vision of who he was supposed to be in this. Definitely. Which is strange because Lee Wannell wrote his part. <laughs> yeah. But he's not a trained actor. He's a film school kid. So I understand that. Yeah. But Tobin Bell, one, was the most experienced actor other than Danny Glover in this. And mm-hmm. two... I think just had a very, very clear vision for who he wanted to be. Actually, I think Danny Glover had a clear picture of who he wanted to be because he wanted to be his character from, uh, he wanted to be Murtaugh mm-hmm. from Lethal Weapon, but yeah. if Murtaugh was a real person. I yes. think he gives the most realistic performance in this. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, this crazy, this, this cop goes nuts after losing his partner and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I think that's a very real performance from him. I agree. And I think Tobin Bell is the other one who has a very real performance in this mm-hmm. one just his vocal acting is stunning yeah. his vocal acting is so good the choices he makes for the jigsaw mm-hmm. uh puppet and like recordings are stunning i love yeah. them yeah i think they were so good i loved every bit of those yeah that's the sincerely creepy part not the puppet itself which is kind of silly looking yeah but tobin bell's voice acting is freaky yeah. If I heard that, like, if I was if I was playing a video game and like and that was in the horror genre, and I heard that come over, I would throw my headphones across the room. Oh, definitely, like, definitely, it's very scary. And I just I just had the thought of what makes uh, this is not a horror not episode, but what makes this movie transition from a psychological thriller to an outright horror film? Is it the gore? I I think, I mean, they were they said they were inspired by Hitchcock. So you're already going to be walking that borderline of horror and psychological thriller. Yeah. I would call it psycho. Well, it's not even psychological horror. It's that the horrifying part is the psychological things that are happening, but the horror itself is the gore. Yeah. Um, and the scenario, I guess the scenario itself is, it is, makes it horror out the gate. Yeah. There's no way that like panic room would be the only version of this. That's not an outright horror movie, but yeah. this is, there's no question that like, this is just straight up horror because of the situation and the gore. Yeah, like yeah. Seven's not a horror movie. This is a horror movie. Like, yeah, up and I, down. 
I I agree with you there. And they're they're big horror fans, and they definitely cite their references, and I appreciate that about them. Yeah. But the thing I don't like about this movie the most, I think, is Jigsaw's a hero. Jigsaw's a hero. He's the hero of this film, and I don't like that because he has twisted, fucked up notions of what morality and goodness and like loving life is. Uh, this movie treats addiction and mental illness in a horrifying way. Definitely. And I think that that is probably this movie's biggest failing. I think that was the thing that made me feel sick about this. Yeah. This time watching it, because I hadn't watched it as closely before, because I was already just like not on board with it. And this yeah. is my first close, close watch of this. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, yeah, the shots suck. It's ugly as shit. The acting's not fantastic. The writing needs another pass. All of these things. Production design was good. Mm-hmm. I'll give that. Production design was really good on this. You feel disgusted, which is nice. Yeah, I kind of had a stomach ache after, before we went to bed last night. Yeah, and the traps were interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it's that whether they meant to or not, they made Jigsaw the hero. They and did. You're right about that. he's the only redeemable person in the movie because you understand his motivation and he's apologized for a thousand times in this you're totally right and you're automatically uh you're predisposed to feel something for him because of the like at the end because of the terminal the inoperable brain tumor yeah um you're you're kind of told to feel sorry for him yeah and i think that's i mean that's completely that's completely fucked up yeah and like what did zep do wrong like zep seemed to be a very caring person just got trapped in the game. Yeah, but that's not fair. Yeah. Like, it means that Jigsaw is wrong. Yeah. Even though we're supposed to... That's like that's another shoddy writing thing. Like, make Zep a child molester or something. I don't know, but like... Yeah, it, it leaves you very confused, and viewers don't want to work that hard. It's no, not... and I don't think any... I don't think most viewers work that hard when they watch this movie, but... No, but like, <laughs> but like if you try to... You're right, but if they... If, you know... People like us who enjoy breaking things down. Yeah. Or just people who watch movies that way. Mm-hmm. I know some people who just like to break it all down. Like in their head, they can't help it. Yeah, we just watch things critically. Some people are just like that. Yeah, and I just, I think that nobody wants to work that hard while they're watching a yeah. movie. Because it makes you work very, very, very hard to try and understand where it's going. or Not where it's going. Um, what it what it means, what it yeah. meant to mean. Where it's going emotionally. I mean, that's that's yeah. a way to put that. Of like, what is the journey I'm supposed to be taking on here? Yeah, and because I, I couldn't figure that out. It was like, is this just shock jock shit? Because that's even though they're like, oh, we didn't want to make torture porn. You still made a movie that's just shock jock shit. Yeah, like it's how I feel about M, M. Night Shyamalan. This is a big criticism of him is that like he's just about the shock value, and that's not entirely true. It's not a totally fair criticism of him. He's also another filmmaker who like I kind of feel bad for because he has dope ideas that just he doesn't super know how to execute because he's not a fantastic filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And this also I think came from their insistence on being part of the production team. Yeah, they really, really like they came into this saying James Wan's going to direct. Lee is going to act. Yeah. And it's our script. And it's like, you know, y'all don't, you didn't earn that. Mm-hmm. This was your first feature. You hadn't made anything outside of film, film school. And I get it because they were broke. And I haven't made shit since school, really. I've made a few things, but I'm broke and I can't fucking make the movies I want to make. And I get that and I feel for them for that. But I also wouldn't be the idiot walking into a Hollywood room 
on my first chance to be there and say, I'm making this. It's just, it's, it's this like either delusional or arrogant idea. Cause I know how the process works and they were told how the process works. Sell the script, make your next thing. Yeah. They practice put in your work. Yeah. And I can't, I can't help but go back to the fact that Jigsaw is kind of glorified here. Yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's a, that shows the immaturity of the movie. I think that's really what I want to get to is that the yeah. movie's immature because it didn't cook long enough. They didn't, you know, it, it, it's taking out a cake that's still pudding. It's, yeah. It, and swearing up and down that it's a, a you know, a chocolate eclair. Because, like, like, they've answered a lot of questions, but they've lo- left a lot of questions that needed to be answered unanswered. And mm-hmm. that, le- I I don't think it was their intention to make Jigsaw the hero, but because of those unanswered questions, they have. Yeah. And that's not a good message. Like, that's where the movie should have gone. If I, if I were to punch this script up, which I just can do in five seconds right here, and this is how important second passes are and yeah. other pairs of eyes and other creators being involved in your process. I understand the too many cooks thing, but like sometimes you just need to let your work go. Yeah. Is that you shouldn't focus on the detectives. They don't fucking matter. Leave the cops out of it. They're not an important part of the story. They don't do anything for the story. Yeah. Use that time to explore Jigsaw. I understand you wanting to leave the mystery alive, mm-hmm. but you've revealed so much mystery about this man's psychology, yeah. and yet it doesn't make any fucking sense. And that's my big problem. That's an immature way of making films. You're like, oh, yeah. let me put the cops in. I'm like, no, why? Why? What do they do? They don't do anything in real life, and well, they aren't going to do anything in the fucking movie. Well, it's used... It's used as a crutch because it's, it's exactly used. What that is. It's used to advance the plot, but it's the only thing that advances the plot. And there's so many other ways to do that. And it's and the I only can list five right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Not going to do it, but like, <laughs> it's a crutch for advancing the plot, and it's also a crutch for giving you all of the backstory at once. Yeah, like it's, yeah. I I completely agree with that, and um, yeah. If they had just given it maybe a second pass or. I don't know. Let it rest for a while. I, I, and I understand I don't know. the like urgency of making a film. I understand that, and like especially once the wheels start turning, if you well, stop been, for once, a second, once you're people done. People are putting money down. You really feel the pressure to. Well, because they'll literally drop you. They don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. This they'll was attached on. to a. This was optioned by a studio in Australia, and mm-hmm. they if they had tried to wait any longer, they would have been dropped. They were dropped by that one because they took too long. Yeah. And so it's a problem of the industry, mm-hmm. but. It's also something that you need to, like, again, you don't want to overbake something, but you don't want to underbake it. And I think that they got too excited about how awesome their idea was. Which it is a really good idea. It's yeah. Re- again, just the execution of it was just shoddy. Yeah. Sometimes doing an awesome idea very quickly is great. Like yesterday, we had a beautiful little hot girl summer photo shoot <laughs> at the beach with you and friend of the podcast, Shan Stovall. Yeah. But... That was an idea that just happened, and we made it happen, and it was awesome. It wouldn't have worked if we had cooked it. It was a ceviche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cooked some, in a lot of citrus. Yeah, um, but some things yeah. are, you know, a pot roast. Yeah, you and, need to you need to let it. Yeah, and you a need feature to let film is always a pot roast. Don't rush yourself into these things. Every young filmmaker yeah. makes this mistake. I've made this mistake for sure. And it's just like you go from idea to execution too fast. Yeah. And it always ends up being immature or or underdone or just riddled with mistakes, errors, plot holes, bad character motivation, 
weird third act issues, like all of these things, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and this is something I've said before, but it hasn't, I haven't brought this up in a while, but that like all, almost all third act problems are actually second act problems. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess my final cut on the film is that like, yeah, the second act fucks this film over. Yeah. And yeah. I, I completely, I completely agree. You can definitely tell that, um, you can definitely tell that they had a beginning and an end, but the middle they didn't have. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of it. We're gonna wrap it up here. Any other final thoughts? <sighs> this franchise is stupid. James Wan should go back to indie filmmaking and learn more. You don't have to watch this. It's not that big a deal. I know it's considered a, a classic of the horror canon, but it's just really not worth your time. Yeah, I think I think this uh, definitely could have been executed better on on all fronts. Like you said, the. Uh, it's not shot great. Um, the acting is whatever. The you know, like the the script needed a second pass. Like it's, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna leave it. At, I'm gonna leave it at that. Like you don't need to watch this one. So yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, sorry for um, the negative episode, but we felt like we hadn't really uh, torn anything apart in a while. <laughs> so he really wanted to eviscerate a corpse. Yeah, and I mean, we're we're here to cover. We're here to cover and curate and I love yeah, that word. Curate. <laughs> yeah, that's a thesis statement of our podcast, curation. Yeah, we're we're here to cover um, a wide range of horror films and I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice to just like ignore all the ones that needed more work or whatever. Yeah, you know, we're yeah. not we're not Especially when they're as big as this. I mean, Saw is literally yeah. one of the biggest horror franchises of all time, if not the biggest. Like it's got yeah. fewer movies than Halloween or Friday the 13th, but shit, dude. We we will give praise where it's due, but w- whenever there's something that we feel like could have been fixed, we're also going to express that, and I think yeah. that's fine. That's um, like literally our job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. I, uh, you know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We are at horrorbabespod.com and then at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter. Till next time. Bye, Bye babes. babes.